All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Unbridled and Entitled. I'm Russ Flicker, and this is Laurie Rothman. Huh? Hey, Russ. It's great to be with you. Great to be with everybody. So we're going with this title, Russ, Unbridled uh, and Entitled. I guess. I guess. All right. So I guess that means if you are a little edgy, hip, basically young, this probably isn't the pod for you. Correct. Yeah, I think that's right. I think if you if you see the progressive commercials and you don't understand why they're funny, I mean, if you if you understand the difference between a family trip and a vacation, you're in the right spot. Right. So here we are, middle aged. We're friends and neighbors. We've traveled. We hang out with our spouses and all of our extended group of family and friends. And we thought, you know what? There's a lot to talk about when you get to be fifty. Um, we've got kids who are teenagers kids who are approaching the college application process, kids who are already in college. And it's kind of a stressful time too. So we wanted to tackle some of those issues. You're totally right. I mean, I was thinking recently, I have a high school senior and between the essays, the exams, the recommendations, all the dates they have to hit, I have to think to myself, why is this bad thing happening to me? <laughs> Like, what are we doing wrong? It's so stressful for us, the parents. Forget about the kids. They've got it under control. But really, it's driving us crazy. So 100%. we have an awesome guest this hour. We have Caroline Nicasio, who is a social worker and a family therapist. And she's going to impart some wisdom on how we can do a better job and maybe help our kids like us a little more, perhaps. Priorities, priorities, mostly about us. And also, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's a copay just for having her on this podcast, but hopefully not. I mean, this is going to be great. I need the help. We also had some uh, thoughts on some of the pop culture items going on out there. Lots to talk about. You know, we sit around at dinners and lunches and just hanging out, and uh, we have a lot of opinions on things. And so we thought we'd uh, kind of rap about those as well. Totally. And as you get older, what, what's, what's one of the things you need? You need all of these vaccines. Have you had any of these vaccines? I mean, there's so many vaccines out there now. Well, that's kind of the, I've been very overwhelmed by that, right? So um, I went to the Rite Aid, literally a laundry list of vaccines to choose from. You've got COVID, obviously the latest booster, along with the flu, but there's also RSV, pneumonia, shingles, if you're 50 or over. I got my first shingles vaccine, painful. It was really rough. But it was like, can you actually, I was again, very overwhelmed because I was thinking like, can you get all five or six or whatever vaccines at one time? That seems like a little much. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like you can ask your doctor for uh, medical advice. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but actually I did get the best advice, Russ, from, of all people, my esthetician who said, if you don't get anything else, get the shingles vaccine because you don't want, you know, it's so painful. It's awful. It's brutal. You don't want the scarring. Well, so that was it for me. That's all I needed to hear. The other things I can, I can handle a cold. You kind of want COVID, right? Because it's a little bit of a break. Um, flu's kind of a drag. RSVP, oh, sorry, R RSVP, right? Thinking about things I haven't responded to, but RSV, very young, very old. Um, but yeah, COVID, uh, COVID sounds good these days with these teenage kids that we were talking about. I think COVID sounds good because then you can RSVP no. There you so go. So I get it. I can understand why <laughs> those you. are together. Um, no, are that's you vaccinated? Crazy. You know, I am fully vaxxed. Um, you know, I, I, so you've I've, done all five of these. I've, I've done all of your major vaccines. In fact, when I got there to CVS and I told them my age, they unscrolled the list of how many vaccines I should have. 
And I was like, I was actually traveling to a, to a man's hunting trip and I channeled, my wife was like, you should get these vaccines. I had stopped at, at CVS for like a Diet Coke or something. And they, they'll tell you, they'll give you, you know, yeah, you can have four at the same time. We'll give you two in each arm, whatever. And, uh, and then, of course, I blamed my wife for how badly I felt 24 hours later. So let me get this straight. So you went on a guy's trip. Before you got there, you stopped at the drugstore, got five vaccines. You felt a little under the weather as a result of the vaccines. Um, but here you are, many months later, you have not had a life-threatening illness. And it's Lisa's fault? Just so I know, the lack of shingles now is her. She, she did that for me? The fact that I don't have shingles, I should be thanking her. You're Marriage. Right. Got I it. I love it. Got it. Got I it. I love it. All right. Sorry. Sorry you had to forfeit the guy's trip. Um, so speaking of vaccines, it's the fall, right? Football as well. It's vaccine season. It's football season. I know you had some thoughts on Coach Prime, Russ. Totally. Coach Prime is the kind of guy who does not need a shingles vaccine. In fact, I think shingles needs a Coach Prime vaccine. I don't care what RFK Jr. says. I think you get it. Coach Prime is so cool. And I know you see how I added it. And I, you know, that was just for fun. But Coach Prime, with his sunglasses, with his style, with his attitude, and I love, I love how he says, listen, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me. Um, I, I, I love everything about Coach Prime. So it's interesting, right, coming after the hit series, Ted Lasso, this just kind of comes to mind. You have these coaches that are like life-changing for these kids, and it's really just about a culture, an influence of goodness and wholesomeness. And I mean, it's kind of nice to see. I remember watching him play baseball and football back when I was a kid, and I thought he was kind of a hot shot. So to see him sort of have this transition and now be so influential on kids is sort of wild, right? But do you think that the Ted Lasso and sort of like where our culture is now is influencing his own Coach Prime's motivation to call himself Prime? I love, I love what you just said. And I think it's because <laughs> A, in our generation, we saw him as the hot shot young buck right. crushing it. And now to see him with his own son teaching them is great for us. And we love that channeling that. And I think you're right. The Ted Lasso piece, talk about youth sports. At least some of those kids may go pro, but we think about youth sports and the Ted Lasso effect and how you're doing this for the overall growth of your team and your kids and what they're looking to get out of this program. I agree with you. I think Coach Prime, he's got a little bit more finesse and, and pizzazz than Ted Lasso, but, but, but I love them both. It's adorable. So, um, but um, let's go from, you know, you talk about football, Russ, and um, you have to talk about the love story, right? In football, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I'm totally in. I think these guys, well, the Kelsey brothers, right? Who we all kind of got to know last year because their teams played each other in the Super Bowl. And then on their podcast, he mentioned his attempt to meet Taylor Swift. And everybody was a little bit skeptical, but it's the real deal. I mean, he just bought this ridiculous house in Kansas City for her. They just said that he's going to go off and travel with her on the next leg of her international tour. It's adorable. I am so excited for them. And I have to say, don't you think it, I mean, we've both been married for like over 20 years. I, I mean, it takes you back like to those early days, right? Oh my marriage gosh. Before the kids came, they're going to have kids themselves, hopefully, and they will turn into horrible teenagers, which is where we're at. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a lot to unpack there. I, I, I agree as usual. Um, I will say that I, you know, this is like an old movie. There's no romance in football. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't want to be a curmudgeon, but I'm, I'm surprised by that. I will say that 
Kelly Clarkson recently came out and she said, listen, we want, I love, you know, she's a Swifty, but she also wants to keep church and state separate. Like football should be football. Look, it's great for them. And you're right. I guess after 22 years, I barely remember what that's like. And therefore that's why I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm throwing shade at these two young, successful people. Good for them. Good for them. You hit the nail on the head. They're successful. They're aspirational. They're both successful in their own careers. They're both charismatic and they're both really, really smart. It's cool. Like I got two teenage girls and I'm fine with them watching this and getting some ideas. So look, you're totally right. And I don't mind if my kids are are enjoying that. Um, But since my daughter can't sing and my son can't play football, I am certainly hoping they're focused on their math homework. Uh, you said it. So let's get to the overriding theme of our show here today. And that is um, just talking about the parent older teen relationship as you navigate the college process. And we're totally honored, psyched, thrilled to invite and welcome Caroline Nicasio. Caroline is a licensed clinical social worker, 15 years experience working with young kids, adolescents, adults, and their families. She's out of Columbia University. She's the best experience, though, right there under her own roof. She's in the trenches with us, also mom to teenagers. Caroline, great to have you with us. Thank you, Laurie. So let's start with the big picture question, Caroline. How do I get my kids to stop hating me? I mean, how do I stop nagging them to get on the ball, to get that resume built up so that they have the best chance to get into the college of their choice? Well, first of all, um, I think it's really, really important to understand. And I think parents want the best thing for their kid, obviously. That's why we're so anxious. That's why we're so on top of them. But I think it's really important that parents understand that one of the best things you can do for children at this age as they're preparing to be launched is to start letting go of the reins. It feels counterintuitive, right? It feels like the the last thing that you want to do. But this is a point where they're about to be on their own. Um, And the interventions that you have kind of on a micromanaging daily basis are not going to be as important as the general message they're getting overall that I am about to become an adult. I can make decisions on my own. And if I make decisions that don't end up being productive for me, right, I'll learn from that. Um, We're actually seeing one of the things we're seeing. I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but one of the reasons why we're seeing such a rise in depression and anxiety amongst actually college-age students, mm-hmm. uh, one of the theories is that children are so kind of overparented um, this generation, you know, and particularly exactly at the time when we're supposed to be letting go, you know, these late adolescent years is when people are doubling down on parenting, right? It's such a fine line though, right? To walk as a parent, because for example, you see something so small as a detail on a deadline for an application. And then you see your kid choosing to socialize instead of just getting that application done and out, right? So how do you not nag? Because to your point, yeah, yeah, you want them to fly free and be independent and you don't want to be that dreaded helicopter parent. But there are some things that you kind of need to like nudge them along with, right? Absolutely. I mean, listen, we're all in the same boat. You know, as you know, Laura, I have a junior is about to start this process. And I'm feeling the same way that all parents are. You know, I have all this information and I know the right thing to do. But when it comes down to it, I find myself doing the same thing, you know, wanting to check in, wanting to micromanage him even more, wanting to be on top of him. Um, I think that, you know, almost 
more practically, it can be helpful. And I actually started doing this uh, with Eli. So whenever you have a very large task ahead of you, right? So we have a large task ahead of us, which is, well, I'm, here I am saying we, right? It's actually them. Right, right. <laughs> They're applying to college. Um, these kids have a large task in front of them, which is that they have to figure out where they want to go. Then they have to figure out how to get in. And they have to wrap their head around the fact that they may or may not get in right where they want to get in. So there's a lot going on. You talked about earlier this moral hazard, which is, you know, we have that in my house. If you, if you take care of something for someone, if you back them up every time, ultimately, by definition, they're not going to be as worried about it. If you make sure your kid gets up and, and, and you're their extra alarm clock, ultimately, whose fault is it if they don't, you know, if they sleep through their alarm clock when you're not there? Um, but it is very, very tough um, to see things that you view as very important. Hey, this is too important to allow you to fail here. Um, and so it, it's a it's a huge challenge. It's a it's a you know, and it is it is stressful. It is stressful and it's stressful for the parents, I think. Um, and maybe maybe as, as much so as for the kids. And maybe more so, you know, and every parent is different and every child is different. Um, and I do think that there's obviously a connection there. Um, so I think if you, you know, pretend to have a child who is perhaps less stressed about the process, um, that might make you more stressed, you know, as you feel like you kind of have to be stressed for them. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Caroline. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about with you guys is the chatter, right? All our kids are in a demanding school and there are a lot of kids who are excellent, overachieving, very serious students. And the chatter and the competition about where are you applying? Where did you get in? Are you going to do the early decision? can be really overwhelming. And what's your advice, Caroline, for helping our children sort of navigate that, that chatter, that competition, that feeling of, oh gosh, I'm not nearly as smart or talented or um, deserving enough to go to a great school? Hmm, great question. This is obviously something that is not unique to our kids, but I do think that this generation is experiencing it um, to a greater degree because of social media. So all of the pressure mm -hmm. of school, um, getting into college, you know, comparing yourself to other kids, that's a normal part of growing up that's always been around. It used to be that, you know, you kind of had that pressure from eight to three and then you went home and it was done. So now in this new environment where everyone is posting, you know, where they got to college right away or where they want to go or, you know, their social life, whatever it is, it's, it's nonstop, it's 24-7. So I think it's really important in terms of limiting that pressure that parents do kind of limit exposure to just social media 24-7, even just a phone. You know, I think it's even just taking a break from being, we're connected. So we're so connected all the time. So we feel this pressure 24-7, even just saying, you know, when you come home from school, right, we're going to have, we're just going to unplug for a few hours. Yeah. Good luck in my house. I'll be honest. <laughs> just, seriously, like they get their school assignments digitally. Everything is on a device these days. And I can't tell you how many times I've just been like, girls, just ignore it. It's fine. You're great. You're great. You're great. Don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, it literally is at the point, Caroline, where it's in one ear out the other. They're like, yeah, mom, we know you think that we're great, but really no one else does. So what you say doesn't carry any water or weight. Mm -hmm. so, there are times you know, I say to them, in the office, people care what my opinion is. People respect me. I mean, I swear there are people who really want to know what I think. Obviously, yeah. no one here, right. but right. 
Well, don't take it personally. It is developmentally appropriate for them not to care what you think. It's developmentally appropriate for them not to like you, as you said, Lori. So all of that is very, very normal and great parenting, right? Great. You've got a typical teenager who doesn't like you. Great job. Um, I thought it was really about Lori. Okay. No, I keep telling myself that um, it's great they don't like me. It means that I must be doing something right. And all the parents that I hear are um, just the best parents. They're their kid, you know, the, the the friend mom. Nobody that that's bad, right? So you can, you know, kind of agree with that, right? It's really important to remind kids who are comparing themselves to other kids and who are maybe feeling less than in some way that that feeling of comparing yourself to someone else, that feeling of not being enough that feeling of not being good enough or uh, lacking in some way is a universal human feeling. And I can guarantee you that every single one of the children and the parents that we are in community with, regardless of how they look on paper, regardless of what college they're applying to, um, you know, regardless of what awards they've won, is very familiar with that feeling. Hmm. Now, can we, yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing yeah. that kind of gets my goat is... Um, this notion that the college acceptance is the end game, that mm-hmm. you're working, working, working all through high school and doing all of these extracurricular activities and part-time jobs, and you're building up a resume just to get accepted to college, and then you're done, you're launched, your life is going to be wonderful. And my view is that college is really just the beginning. It's the next chapter in life that's going to take you into adulthood. And Help me kind of put that into better terms or, or put that into, you know, characterize that, Caroline, in a way that um, might ease high school kids' concerns or nervousness about which college they ultimately end up in. Okay. Well, first of all, it's very important to tell your children that, you know, what the, the anxiety that you're feeling, all of these feelings that you're feeling about getting into a certain college or the college that you want or this being the end game, this is a very limited experience. Mm-hmm. This is something that tends to happen right around this time. People get super focused, super hyper-focused on college. And then they don't tend to spend the rest of their lives focusing on where they went to college, right? You don't necessarily hear people who are in college talking about it. You don't hear people in graduate school talking about it. You don't hear people in the workforce talking about that this getting into college ended up being the be-all and the end-all of their life. So to keep it in perspective, right, where this is a very specific time in your life where this is your goal. Once you get to that goal, you're going to have a new goal, right? It's just like you said, Lori, it's one step in the process. It is Um, so interesting. I was having dinner with a girlfriend last night and she was saying that her daughter who's graduated college is back home. And I know that's very common. So that's like another stage, right? Yes. Great. You've gone to your dream school, but now you're back home because you can't find a job because this is what the economy is for that industry right now. So it kind of never ends as a parent, it seems, which might be a good thing, actually. Well, it never ends if you don't let it end in a certain way. You know, <laughs> oh, you no, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's well, interesting. That's you don't want it to end. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's what, you know, touches on something which I'm sure is related to our, how, how deep we are focused on our kids. And, and, you know, I was going to joke how now suddenly helicopters are terrible. We love helicopters, but anyway, um, I mean, <laughs> they're really well. useful for getting up and moving over places and getting down. I mean, but anyway, um, it's that I'm so needy for my kids. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I was needy for the opposite sex at different times in my life, but I have never felt as needy as I feel now. 
You know, mm. you know, can I please have a hug and I have five minute conversation. And occasionally when you're interested in actually engaging, I'm like, nobody move. Don't say anything. I don't know what's happening, but they're talking to me. And that feeling of neediness when they're leaving. And that's again, you know, I, I you know, is, is part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, Russ, I give you a ton of credit because I don't know if you shared with the audience yet, but you have one child away college, one child senior. So that's, I mean, you're like on the verge of becoming an empty nester. Sorry, go on. <laughs> so, um, you know, Caroline, the dynamic of the family really shifts right at this stage. Can you it give does. us some more advice for navigating this? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, it's very important that people realize that this is a life transition. Absolutely. Right. This is a life transition for kids as well as a life transition transition for parents. Um, so kind of minimizing it and just saying, oh, no, I, you know, it's fine. It's just they're 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 right here. Right. They're not here, but they're here and kind of rationalizing it to yourself. is not super helpful. You're allowed to have your feelings um, and not everyone will feel the same way about this either. Um, anything you feel is normal. I do. You know, there are people who really feel a big relief and a weight lifted when their kids have gone to college and they actually feel happy about it. And that's okay too. Um, there are people that feel sad, there's people that feel, you know, like Russ is describing that kind of longing. Um, and it's, it's okay. And I think it's to acknowledge that to your kids. You can say that to them. You can say, you know, oh, um, I'm feeling a little bit sad right now. It's okay for them to know that you have emotional experiences. Let's I think it's better into being nicer to us. Does that work? I would say, you know, children in adolescence um, are very egocentric. I wouldn't, that's not the same thing as, you know, being an egomaniac or a narcissist, but they are developmentally really concerned with themselves and their own thoughts and feelings. That's appropriate. As they get a little bit older into late adolescence, into early adulthood, they should be able to have more empathy for someone else's experience. So I think it's okay to say to your, you know, 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old, you know, gosh, wow, I just, it's not the same as you being here. I miss you. And, you know, I, I'm so happy for you, but this is a little bit hard for me. I think it's better to express that and to be aware of your own feelings than to not express them, not be aware of them, and then act in ways, kind of act it out in ways towards your children, like over, you know, over involving yourself or um, making decisions for them that are not your place. Sometimes when we don't process our emotions and really allow them to come out, they will come out in other ways that can be less healthy for everyone involved. So, Caroline, let me ask you a question. You've heard, you, you, you've gotten to know Lori and I a little bit. You've heard a little bit about our experiences and our kids. And what I'm wondering now is with that information, you're the expert, you know, you've got, you've got all these great credentials, all this experience, which school should my son go to? I remember when I was deciding among schools, I think I was deciding between two schools and I went to visit both of them. And at one of the schools, the person who gave me a tour appeared, looked like, vaguely resembled a high school bully I had. So I went to the other school. That's all it took. I mean, you never know, right? What, for getting back to actually the choice and the, the process of deciding where you're going to go to college. I mean, it could be as something as silly as someone scared you. And so you ran the other way. And it's like, I remember, you know, when we were looking at camps, right? It felt like every single camp is the same. How do we decide which camp? And we decided we wanted our kids to go to Maine. And we 
got up there and we didn't realize that every single camp in Maine was 45 minutes away from each other. So <laughs> we ended up sending them to the first camp that we looked at because we didn't want to drive anymore. And it totally. ended up being fine. Okay, All right. So been- give us some parting wisdom, Caroline. I'm going to say everyone's going to be fine. <laughs> and, but, but really, really and truly, you know, I think that the best thing you can do for yourself and for your children, for your family at this time is to know your triggers. Okay. Know when things come up that might send you into a behavior that you're not necessarily proud of, right? Or that you don't necessarily want to be doing, such as, you know, doing things for them that you don't want to be doing. And when kind of do the opposite of how you feel, if you feel like you want to do more, just try doing less. So this is like a Seinfeld, George Costanza thing. Whatever Russ thinks he should do, do Do the the opposite. opposite. Do the opposite. And it's not exactly, not just Russ, but for all of us, when our children, we want them, for children, when we feel this is a time when we're supposed to be starting to let them go. When we feel like we want someone is, is leaving us, our first in- instinct is to latch on even more. So yeah, it is, notice that it in yourself, you know, and know that you're doing, know that it's not necessarily a thing that you can do that's going to help them and help you through this. It's more of a general kind of embracing, right, of a transition and understanding that the little things that you do day to day are not probably going to make a big impact in their life and how it turns out. You have much, you have not as much control as you think you do, right? So we we spend a lot of our time, you know, I could talk a little bit about the difference between stress and anxiety. A little bit of stress is good. We need stress. Um, stress motivates us. Mm-hmm. Uh, stress becomes anxiety when instead of motivating us, it gets in our way. So notice when your stress is turning, you know, kind of turning into more of anxiety. And notice when you're focusing on things that you can't actually control. For example, what college will my child get into? I see kids all the time, um, you know, studying for tests, studying for SATs, and they really believe that they can control the outcome of these events. You can't control the outcome of any of these events. You could study for five hours and you could still get a poor grade. You could not study at all and you could end up getting an A. So what what can you control? Studying doesn't matter and do the opposite. Right. Studying doesn't matter and do the opposite. He's, he's, I got it. Caroline, you've been I'm so- I'm jotting down notes. I'm jotting down notes. But, but you know, back <laughs> off, Russ. It feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline, thank you for spending some time with us. Great to and be here. thank you for this great advice and your outlook and your impressions because it was really settling and it was really, really great to hear. And I'm, I'm going to try and back off a little and let them really figure it out. I think- uh, I think I like that. I'm going to put it to use and, yeah. and I'm not going to care when they tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about and to back off. <laughs> that's you're, you're reinforcing that. That's what that's normal. We should be doing. What was the worst that can happen? You know, wrap your head around that. Be okay with it. It's and already then- happened. You don't know what goes on in here when you ask that question. I mean, there are some bad things that could happen, but I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Thank you again. Caroline so Nicasio, child and family therapist out of Columbia and a parent to teenagers applying for college as well, just like us. Have a great day. Hopes and prayers are with you. <laughs> Thank you. What were your takeaways? What are your, what are your two takeaways from uh, what we well, learned? She's fantastic. And she is so calm, cool, and collected. I really wanted to say, so Caroline, 
how are you really? Like nothing rattles you when your three <laughs> children give you the business. But no, she's a professional. And the best advice was not to helicopter, right? To sort of put it out there, the advice out there, but then let the kids take it from there. It's their lives. Once they're 15, 16, 17 years old, juniors, seniors in high school, it's really their decision. It's really their future. And we've done our job, right? We've set the stage all of these years. And to make ourselves crazy about it because we know what's right for us. One of the questions I did not get a chance to ask her is sort of this modern day, this notion of, gosh, I don't think you're going to get into as good a college as maybe your parents did um, because it is now so much more competitive. There are so many more kids applying to college. Um, how do you come to terms with that for your kid? But I think really just letting the kid figure it out, embrace what he or she or they want to do should just make you happy. You should be happy as a parent because your kid's happy. And if your kid's not happy, you just support and not judge. You, what were your takeaways? Uh, you know, that, that, all that makes sense. I think most of my takeaways, I, I can't let my kids watch this podcast because it's the opposite of what I do. I mean, it's sort of like no helicopter, leave them alone, spend a half hour a week giving them like updates and advice. Hold and, on. I mean, Hold on right there. You don't think your kids would be where they are if it weren't for you? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm simply saying that they might be happier if I was less up in their grill. Um, and uh, although, look, in all, your kids all, are great. I, I know them, and I can come in and say that they are thriving. I'm no, kids are doing great. I'm simply saying that I, I I need to let go, which I know. I mean, I've got one in college who I'm letting go, and uh, you know, little by little, as painful as it is for me, and and my my senior, same thing. Um, but it is painful. I am needy, and I and I should do more of the opposite of what I think I should. I do. think the step behind. <laughs> you, I have a freshman and a junior. And I think as moms too, and maybe this is a topic for another day, but I do think as moms, we, we definitely get more of the dumping on than the dads do. I have two daughters also. So, and you have a son and a daughter. So maybe that's a little bit different in, in that dynamic, but um, I'm really, and, and she mentioned this too, about you know, there are parents who really want the kids to launch, but then, you know, we circle back to say, well, gosh, it's not over once they get to school. So I'm in the stage where I just want them to land where they are going to be happiest. Totally. And I really am forcing myself to have confidence in them, especially my junior, to be able to do the research right now and pull the applications and do what she needs to do to maximize her chances. But I just can't let go. I mean, maybe I'm similar to you in that respect. I totally agree. And, and, and look, I think what you touched on is important. If we're, when, when I, I don't like to be serious too often, but when I'm serious, I think to myself, I don't even know what the best outcome is for each, each of my kids and where they'll be the happiness, right? It's easy to follow the path. Oh, everyone's walking in this direction, so walk in that direction. I don't know that. I think not only is the world changing, but they're different people than, than who you know, my wife and I are and what, we, what our hopes and dreams were, or what makes us happy. So you know, given that challenge, I agree. It's support them, support them, support them. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I hope we transition and they can be my, you know, we'll, we'll be close friends as, as it evolves from that really kind of, you know, uh, parent, I'm sorry. Yeah. Parent child context to their, their launching a little bit and our young adults. I can only hope. So thank you everyone for joining us on our inaugural episode of Unbridled and Entitled. We'll see you next time.